first, all right? So we got three lessons objectives. We said to understand the importance of practicing good stewardship and fulfilling kingdom purpose to identify areas of our lives we are to steward over and the guidelines to be followed to operate in stewardship to establish a stewardship mentality towards kingdom resources. And just so that um, nothing wrong with it, but a lot of times when you hear stewardship in church, it's usually um, just talking about financial. Um, and that's, that's not incorrect, but it is incomplete. There's more to stewardship than money. Um, in fact, but stewardship and money, the scripture says, if you're not faithful in unrighteous mammon or financial areas, you won't be faithful in true riches. So one of my challenges is I, I did a study one time. I said, well, God, well, you're saying money isn't even true riches. So if, if, if that's true, then what is, what, is, what is the Bible calls true riches? What is, what is truly biblical wealth? Well, each and every person is wealth because you have the treasure of God hidden inside your earthen vessel. Who can find a wife? Her price is more far above rubies. Clearly, the Bible calls her a part of the wealth that he has put in your life, right? So um, certainly the word of God is considered treasure, and you're supposed to hide it and treat it like a treasure, right? So there's all these other things. So I just want you to understand stewardship in a broad in a broad, uh, a broader perspective, all right? So our vision pillar definition of stewardship, and again, why do we call it a vision pillar? Just like there's pillars in this building, if the pillar falls down, then this place will, this, this room will cave in. Our vision will fall down if we aren't living out our vision pillars. So stewardship, the vision pillar definition is that it is the acknowledgement that the spiritual, physical, financial, and relational resources entrusted to us that those relationships belong to God and must be faithfully accounted for. So God has entrusted us with some resources. We should know what those are. We should know the value of them. Um, we should be thinking about how to, to um, monitor, manage, meet out, and multiply those resources. And then we should understand that one day we'll have to answer to somebody about how good we did or did not do. Amen? And then we also gave you a definition of leadership because to be a good steward, you're going to have to be a good leader. In our definition of leadership, we say is living a life of vision from God, value to others, and velocity of good works in your generation. Velocity um, is an engineering term for speed. It means a certain distance over a certain amount of time. In our scripture there in John 9, 4, and 5, Jesus said, I must work the work of him that sent me while it is day, because night's coming when no man can work. He understood there was a certain amount of distance of good works he had to get done, and he only had a certain amount of time to get his job done. All right? And so... Um, our, our focus has been, our today's focus is what we, when we're talking about stewardship in this time, we're not talking about stuff. Right now, I'm talking about stewardship of your time, of your purpose, and of goals. How are you treating time? Do you understand purpose? 
God's why for your life because time is given under heaven, according to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, so that you can fulfill your purpose. And I remember one of the um, greatest kingdom teachers of our generation, the late Dr. Miles Monroe said, if you don't understand the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable. Yeah. And of course, his second point to that is, if you want to know the purpose of a thing, you don't ask the thing, you ask the one who manufactured it. Amen. So um, uh, just some review. I'm not going to go through Ecclesiastes 3 today, but we did, re we did talk about that. Things have season and time is given under heaven for you and I to achieve purpose. For everything, there is a season and a time to every purpose under heaven. All right. So you, you need to understand time was given to you for some specific thing. And so God wants you to faithfully account for that and then use that thing, use that time to fulfill the vision you got from God, providing value to others and having a velocity of good works. All right. Um, then we talk from Daniel chapter 12, 1 through 3 that you will shine throughout all eternity to the degree that you have used time to achieve kingdom purpose. So you want to spend your time now making eternal impact in the lives of others. I'm always, you know, I, I think about uh, my friend here, Brother Tim, and the fact that for years God gave me a space um, in, in my workplace to preach the gospel. That's very unusual, but he has. And so in the midst of doing my work, for which I get paid a wage, um, and I'm trading time for money right? I'm trading time for money. That I'm also in the midst of that, finding a space of time to make do something that has an eternal impact beyond my paycheck. All right? Everyone should be seeking in every relationship that you have in your life to do so. All right? Show, show the graphic media team. I just want you to remember, um, this is an older graphic. I've talked about before, and uh, this, is, this is a biblical understanding of time. Um, at the top, God lives in eternity. From everlasting to everlasting, Psalm 90 says, you are God. God exists from eternity past through to eternity future. And so that's why that top arrow goes in two different directions. But then... In Genesis chapter one, we see God where God created time. The evening and the morning were the first day. And Revelation says that there will come a day when time shall be no more. That's why that, that arrow goes shorter than the eternity arrow, all right? In time, 
God deals with humanity at different time periods in different ways. Those, the fact that God deals with time with humanity at different time in different ways is called dispensations. That's what theologians would call it. The law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So Jesus introduced a new dispensation. You got that? And then the scripture says that there will, while we're in this dispensation of grace and truth, there will be a day when that dispensation closes out. Jesus described it as the day that the bridegroom enters and then the door was shut. So even this dispensation has an end date to it. All right? In time, over and against dispensations, there is this thing called the times. The times deals with the era and the spirit of the age in which you, deal, in which you live in. All right? Um, in the times in which we live in, um, you can see somebody getting beat up and people, rather than help, will pull out their cell phones to watch it and record it. That's the spirit of the age in which we live in. I mean, it really is a throwback because back in the day they used to do that in the Coliseums, but now you can do it in the comfort of your own home. It's the times in which we live in. Within dispensation and within the times, God moves in certain periods called seasons. Now, we're not talking here about natural seasons. We're talking here about what is said in, in Daniel chapter 2, that God changes times and seasons. All right? Because God might tell you to do something, and then naturally it don't even look like that's even possible. You out here, and uh, you just got fired, and the Lord tell you to start a business. And you say, God, that don't make no sense. But see, you got to understand that God changes seasons. And he can move on you. And when he tells you it's the season to do this, it really doesn't matter what the natural circumstances say because he has his word has an ability to change seasons. All right. And then within that, you have timing. Notice that those those bars are of different lengths. Why is that? Because sometimes the timing for certain activities is longer than others. Sometimes people believe that they have all the time in, they, in the world to act on a God opportunity. And uh, they think that they can just stay disobedient as long as they want to, and he's going to hold the timing for them to get done what he told them. And sometimes that's not true. I would say pretty much most of the time that's not true. And so you have to learn to obey God when you heard God. You know, the children of Israel, God told them to send spies into the promised land. And um, they sent the spies 40 days. They came back, saw the grapes, big grapes. And uh, they wept, said, but... Ten of the spies brought the evil report and um, said, man, there's grapes and stuff, 
God didn't lie to us. It's a land flowing with milk and honey, but we see giants and we are like grasshoppers. And then they spoke out against Moses. And then Moses, then the Lord said, okay, y'all don't want to go in. I'm shutting the door. The next time this door, the timing for this opportunity to go into the promised land will not be back for another 40 years. Then they said, Moses, my bad. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> they said, Mo, man, <laughs> Pastor Mo, man, we sorry. And then the next day they said, we're going to go up and go in. And Moses was like, what you doing? I'm going to sit down here because this is not going to work out good for you. The timing has now passed. <laughs> and them Canaanites beat them like they stole something. But why? Because the timing on a word from God, they didn't act on it when the timing was there. They thought the next day would still be okay. And sometimes we have to recognize we have allowed... Um, our timing and our key moments to, to, to go by. All right, so I got three key statements here that the Lord gave me in terms of thinking of stewardship with time. So let's look at these. And it says, you see, Jesus is the redeemer of your life, but you are the redeemer of your time. And if you won't redeem your time, what he redeemed your life for won't mean much. You get that? Jesus is the person. When I was sitting on the slave block in the market, and I was a slave to sin, Jesus came into the slave market. That, this is literally what the word redeemer means. If you go back and study the Greek, I'm a slave in a market about to be sold. He came... And with his blood, he pray, paid the price for my freedom and my salvation. Okay? He paid the price for it. But he paid the price for it, and then he said, just like I'm your redeemer, I need you to redeem your time. So your time is like a slave in the market. Sitting there waiting for you to decide what it's going to be used for. And if you're going to pay the price to free it up so that your purpose can be fulfilled. Or if you're going to make your time a slave to sin and to low-level pursuits. Slave to pleasure sitting on a dock of the bay, watching the tide roll away, sitting on the dock of the bay. Somebody say it. Wasting time. Okay, so if even though you saved, if you don't redeem your time and fill it with purpose, then what God redeemed your life for, won't mean much, right? So what will you fill your day with 
that will affect purpose that will cause his kingdom to advance. Now, it doesn't have to be, all of it is not like sermons and, you know, for me, doing good work at work is effective use because I'm letting my light shine. So I don't want it to all feel like I'm not achieving my purpose. You know, cut your grass, bro. Take out the garbage. You know, I mean, I'm not saying it's got to all be having a house that represents God in your community. Don't be the Christian with everything broke down. <laughs> the eyesore in the neighborhood. I'm just saying, okay? All right. So, so <laughs> I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not saying it's all gotta be like with, with Bible studies and stuff. But I am saying that it all should be moving you towards things of eternal value. Does that make sense? All right, second key point, second key statement there is time is an opportunity looking for a cause and it's God's rare gift of unpurchasable power. That's a Peter Daniel statement for those that know him. Time is an opportunity, but you have to assign the cause. When I assign a cause to this opportunity, then I eliminate others, other opportunities. You, don't you hate it when people get into a business opportunity and they're like, man, everybody need to do this. No, everybody don't need to do it. Everybody can make money in this business. No, everybody can't. I have to recognize if I give myself to this, I have taken the time away that I could have done that. All right? And so sometimes we get into stuff being nice to people, not recognizing that giving my time to this opportunity eliminates other opportunities that may be of higher value. Okay? So you got to be careful. I'm going to just get in this with my friend. Listen, listen. I mean, we could all be friends. But my opportunities, I don't have them all day. See, Jesus was very clear about that. They said, they said, they said, you should go down to the feast today. Because anybody trying to make a big name, they at the feast. He's like, listen, for you, every time is the same. For me, it's, you know, it's, I, I'm living a life on purpose. I, I, I you know... I got to manage my opportunities better than that. And then after they left, the timing got right, and then he went on. He came, he just wasn't when they wanted him to come. See, if you, if you really get sensitive to your timing and opportunities, everybody's not going to be happy because you're not going to be in everybody's rhythm. What you doing? I, hey, man, I just want to come by and do what? <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> this time has already been allocated, bruh. Sorry, pump the brakes. No, you can't just roll through. Okay? You're not going to be in sync with everybody else if you really in sync with God and your purpose. All right? And listen to this last one. This is the one that really challenges us um, as believers. And it says, God's mercies are new every morning. Now, he won't run out of mercies, but you will run out of mornings. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love the fact that God will give me a restart tomorrow on a new day. Now, God is not running out of mercies, but I'm going to run out of mornings. So if I, if I keep needing a restart instead of building on the start that God has given me, I'm going to run out of mornings, and I'll still be stuck at the starting line. Does that make sense? And so we need to think about our time and begin to think about how we build towards the fulfillment of an assignment from God. Is this blessing you? All right. Miss opportunities. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. One of the challenges that we have is, is that we miss our moments. Look at Deuteronomy 28 and 15. And it says, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that these, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Well, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of law. Hold it. Pump your brakes. Pump your brakes. Look at verse 66 and 67. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning, you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And in the evening, you should say, oh, that it were morning because of the fear which terrifies your heart, because of the sight which your eyes see. When you're a child, you'll say, I can't wait to be grown. And when you're old and got the responsibilities, you'll say, I, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. <laughs> so you have little kids trying to be, we call them being fast. You know what I mean? They're trying to grow up before they time. And then when it's time for them to grow up and take their responsibility, then they want to go back and act like kids. Okay, so we tell people, pump the brakes. Learn to live in the skin that you're in. This is, if you need a minivan, don't go out and buy a Corvette. Does that make sense? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> we sitting around you know, with a two-liter and skinny jeans. I'm just saying, okay. <laughs> if don't, 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 don't try to be something that you're not, right? You don't pass the moment. It just bugs me when I see these old dudes trying to be rappers and stuff like that and hip-hop artists. I'm like, man, the season on that does pass in your life, bruh. <laughs> people miss their moments and then they spend the rest of the time trying to get something all right two key words two key words for time um and in scripture two key words there's actually um many 
many um, words for time. One day I'm going to do a study of all the words in the Old and New Testament that have to do with time. I love stuff like this because you get, God has so, there's nuances of, of understanding. But two key ones are the word chronos, where we get chronological or chronicles, right? It talk about time in increments. If you chronicle event, you're talking about this happened and then this happened and then this happened and this happened, right? Um, Kairos is the talking about, it's not just time, it's talking about timing. Timing has to do with the right moment for this action, right? Timing is being in the right place at the right time, doing the right thing for the maximum input. It's when everything, when, when all the stars and the moons align, such that when you do this, the maximized, the maximized thing or result happens. All right. So key statement. The opportunity of a lifetime must be seized within the lifetime of the opportunity. Ah, so when I think about timing, I also have to think about a time limit or a deadline that God gives me certain things to do, and if I miss my moments, man, those, I can't go back and get that. I remember when my, my children were, um, my daughter was younger, and uh, I started teaching her piano. And um, for a moment, I, I got out of, like she was going for a while, going for a while, and then we had a break. And then I wanted to get her back into it, and she was like, Dad, 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 Dad. The time has passed. Let it go. Honey, honey, we can still, Dad, Dad, Dad. The time has passed. Let it go. Okay. And so sometimes we try to go back and get something and we let the lifetime of that opportunity expire. And so when God speaks to us, then we got to know what to do. So in Kronos moments, think about the two. God wants us to be faithful, to be consistent. In Kronos moments, he wants us to be not weary in well-doing in the times when nothing's happening. But in Kairos moments, we have to be bold and be willing to take breakout actions. Don't be weary in well-doing. So there's a season, there's a long Kronos time but then it says, you shall reap in due season. You got to know when the, when the Kronos has, has, has given way to a Kairos opportunity that you now need to be bold and change your action to reap on what you have sown. Does that make sense? All right. So make sure you have a sense of time and timing. Yeah, me and Minister John are just talking about some opportunities and stuff and doors are opening for him in, in different ways. I'm like, listen, 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 you go in these doors, you know, make sure you handle it. If you handle it right, some more doors are open. If you jack up, they're going to shut down and dry up. 
So make sure you know how to handle these opportunities. Make sure you know protocol when coming into another church, into another pulpit, right? You're somewhat of an oddity in a good way, an anomaly because he understands destiny teaching in his, old, in his own age range. So he can speak at a level beyond, but he has the credibility of being among a peer group. I can't come in there with my gray beard talking like he does and think everybody's going to be all enamored like they are for him. That time for me is past. <laughs> I got to speak a different way. You understand what I'm saying? They're not looking for me to do youth ministry no more. They're not. No, they're not. Nobody asking me. They're not calling me on youth Sunday. That day is gone. There was a day that I was that guy. And I've had to be okay just moving on. Does that make sense? Okay. <laughs> All right. So we want to make sure that we get we get our opportunities out. Okay. Um, now we're going to talk about um, goals. Look at Philippians chapter 3. We're going to read verses 8 through 17. Time must be used for the achievement of purpose. And the purpose to fulfill our purpose within time, we must set goals. Goals just acknowledge the fact that there are, to fulfill the ultimate purpose and destiny that God has for us, that there are places and ground we have to get to by a certain amount of time, certain actions, certain accomplishments, certain achievements by a certain time frame, and that we're going to have to have focused action to, to, to actually accomplish those goals as, as, as midpoints to our ultimate destination. Does that make sense? All right, let's look at uh, Philippians 3, 8 through 17. Let's read it. Hallelujah. This is the Apostle Paul speaking. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold of me. <clears throat> Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let as many as are mature have this mind and if in anything you, you think otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the, degree, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us be of the same mind. Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. All right. All right, so 
seven, seven key points, and this is, this is just one list, and then we're done for today. Um, understand, seven quick points from Philippians 3, 8 through 17. Understand the resurrection as the basis for you to live a new life. The, the Apostle Paul said he wanted to know God and the power of his resurrection. The resurrection causes the fact that Jesus died and that he rose again and he put resurrection life in you is your capability to get out of whatever was in your past. Whatever has come against you, even things that you may have gotten yourself into, is not as powerful as the resurrection power that's on the inside of you. I'll tell you, I didn't have this, certainly in my notes, it was definitely not something I was planning on talking about, but I was just thinking about here, this whole issue with R. Kelly. For the record, I think he did it. There's just too many. Just, and if you ask me, I think he did it. Okay. They're not asking me. It's not my thing. I'm just saying. Just walks like a duck, talks like a duck, quacks like a duck. It's a duck. I'm just saying. Okay. But I, if I look at him and say he's not redeemable, then I have to uh, believe that the Apostle Paul was not redeemable. Does that make sense? He had a past. But the resurrection power of God caused him to live a whole different life from his past. Now, he had to go through a moment. He had to come... He, he, he went through some seasons caused by the things he did. Don't think the fact that he was stoning Christians and that he got stoned three times are, are unrelated. Right? Don't, I mean, <laughs> you start throwing rocks, you start catching rocks. <laughs> <laughs> you say you live by the sword, you can die by it too. All right. So those weren't unrelated, but he still was able to get to a point where the resurrection power, even through suffering, he could get his assignment done. Does that make sense? You can live a new life based on resurrection power, no matter what your past is. Two, realize this new life is a life based a life of assignment and purpose, a life of assignment and purpose. It is a life of action and activity to apprehend your assignment and to receive awards. It's an action and activity because I press to apprehend your assignment towards your goal to receive awards so that I can receive the prize. All right. To me, that's goal setting encapsulated. Goal setting says I have a prize that I'm willing to put pressure to attain. I have a goal, excuse me, I have a goal, a mark that I want to achieve. I'm willing to put pressure to get to that goal. And I expect that when I get there, there's going to be some prizes waiting for me. 
right? That's a mindset that a person who has goal setting clear has. If you don't, if you disconnect any one of those, then you're not goal setting. If you, if you have the, have the goal, if you, if you, if you want to get the accomplishment without the activity, it's just a dream. It's not yet a goal. If you can't work towards it, it's not a goal. All right. Now, there, there, there are people in the body of Christ that will tell you, you shouldn't be looking for the awards. He said he pressed toward the goal so he could get the prize. All right. You don't tell people about heaven and hell if you don't want them motivated by goals or prizes. Am I right? Right? You tell people that there's a heaven for them to gain and a hell for them to avoid because you want them to understand. There are, some, there are some awards that go with achievement. All right? And so um, I, I don't... I don't, I don't work, I don't work to get paid or to, to achieve, to, to, to get some rewards. Then your paycheck should be in a, a surprise to you every week. Okay. That doesn't make sense, man. Just, that's just spiritual people trying to be spooky. Why would God tell the children of Israel that it's a land flowing with milk and honey? He could have said there's cows that you're going to have to milk and there's bees that can sting you. He didn't say that. He wanted them to understand the, the, the awards that went with the achievement. Pastor David, why do you spend all of this time preparing these messages? Because the Bible says that if I'm a good shepherd in 1 Peter, there's a crown of righteousness waiting for me. And me understanding that prize keeps me pushing towards the goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm expecting to walk up in heaven and have a big, a big crown on my head because of the way I teach and preach at Destiny Generation Church. Yes, I do. Does that make sense? So a goal-setting mindset says... I'm going to achieve this because I know that there's a prize. There's a goal that I'm going to go to. There's activity that I'm going to, to, to act to get to that goal. And there's a prize or an award there that's waiting for me once I achieve my goal. If you want to keep yourself motivated towards personal goals, you need to set some prizes associated with it. The reason you can't stay consistent is because you don't have a consistent picture of prizes. You need to say, if I hit this, this is the way I'm going to reward myself. If you don't do that, you're not going to stay consistent. What did David say? What shall be done to the man for the man that slays Goliath? Hey, man. He become the king's son-in-law. 
His house gets tax-free empowerment zone. He is a personal empowerment zone. He won't have to pay taxes. Child, please. If they told me I was tax-free for the rest of my life, I'd be out there saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine too? You need to have a picture. You don't get that picture. It's hard to get up and go to work every day. <laughs> it's hard to stay motivated, all right? So that is, that's how our new life should be. That's a complete picture of visionary pursuit. I got a picture of my goal. I press towards the mark or the, or the goal to achieve a prize. That's how I keep vision going. I believe that if I get to here, I'll get certain prizes, and because I believe that I'll get certain prizes, that, uh, that, that, that motivates me to put pressure. Say amen if you got that. Number three, recognize, it, recognize that the critical term in either self-confidence or self-consciousness is the word self. <laughs> the Apostle Paul in the verses ab above that said, on one side, I have confidence because I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I did all of this good stuff. I was a teacher of the law, had studied at the feet of Gamaliel, who was one of the great rabbis of his day. I had all of the pedigree and education concerning the rights and the son of law. They considered me blameless. Then on the other side, he had self-consciousness because I'm unworthy. I, I killed and murdered Christians. I did all of these things. But either one of those, either self-confidence or self-consciousness, all focuses on self. When we're supposed to have God confidence and God consciousness. That I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. All right? Um, number four, it is not about your resume or your rap sheet. <laughs> It's not about what you did right or what you did wrong, but it is about right position through relationship and righteous pursuit based on resurrection power. That I might be found him not having any righteousness of my own, right? Found in him, so that righteousness is based on relationship and that I may pursue based on resurrection power, that I might know him in the power of his resurrection. Number five, our objective is to make kingdom contribution through Christ-like, from a Christ-like character through his charisma power, all right? So I want to achieve the thing that God has called me to do. He said, the apostle Paul said, just like we use the term apprehend a suspect. He says, I'm, I'm apprehending that for which I have been apprehended myself by the Lord. So I was on, I was a nut. I was, I was on my way to hell. I was an accident waiting to happen and, and God apprehended me. But he didn't apprehend me just to go to heaven. He apprehended me to do some things for heaven here. So he apprehended me so that I could apprehend things for him. Now, see, that's like Christ 
Jesus being my redeemer and then me redeeming my time so that I can get certain things done. All right? All right. Number six, one of the hallmarks of spiritual maturity is a life of visionary pursuit. He says, as many as are mature should have this kind of mindset. That means you should be helping your church achieve its vision. You should be helping whatever business or enterprise achieve vision, whatever the vision of that business or enterprise is. You should, as the husbands and heads of your homes, should have personal vision that you are working through for that space. Because part of spiritual maturity is living a life that's pressing towards the mark for the prize. Right? Pressing towards the goal to achieve the prize. Right? That is one of the marks of a person who is growing in their relationship with Christ. And then finally, finally, last one. You should imitate the visionary pursuit of spiritual leaders in your own life and ministry. You should imitate the visionary pursuit of spiritual, spiritual leaders in your own life and ministry. That's why as a pastor that I work to have you... Um, fill out goals and prayer things for the year. These are tools that I use to achieve goals and pursue vision. My expectation is, is that you are you are imitating the same process that we use to achieve vision and goals here and then translating that to your own life and your own home. Because I'm, I'm the pastor in the house of God, but you're the pastor at your house. All right? So what's the vision statement of your house or whatever your address is? All right? Now... I have learned to do this the way that I do it, imitating the leaders who taught me. In prayer, I talked about several of them. Talked about um, Bishop Jabert, right? People that come into church say, man, I see how he has influenced you. Yeah, you can see it. If you understood how his ministry rolled, you, you can look in the room and say, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's Bishop's son there. Mm -hmm. But hold it. I, ha I have other fathers in the faith. You know, I have a representative here from KHM, man, Apostle Lonnie Brown. Man, that dude changed my life, man. Y'all hear all of these acrostic definitions? They not even his. They mine. Right? But the person who taught me to do that was him. Man, he started talking about vision development and fulfillment. Experiencing the enjoyment of the kingdom lifestyle. Child, please, that stuff changed my life. You understand what I'm saying? And so what you're supposed to do is have people like that, that you see as credible achievers 
a vision and goals who make good use of their time to achieve purpose, and then you apply their principles to your life. Now, you may not do it exactly like they do it. All right? We want unity, not uniformity. <laughs> Pastor, they never ask y'all to do it exactly like Pastor do it. Mm -mm. But you need to do it. And the principles that we're teaching you are credible. And you can take them home and they will work for you. Right? Imitate those. Follow those who stand in front of you as a pattern. Were you blessed by this today?